very glad uh, that you're going to be part of this series. And uh, we began last week uh, a, a new series that we started. And essentially, it's a, it's a look at things that are generally accepted in the Christian world as truths. But we're trying to put them under the spotlight to examine, are they really true? And are they really beliefs that are going to empower us in our relationship with God? And this morning, we're going to look at uh, the subject of attend the church of your choice. And you might say, well, I got up this morning. I had to make a choice. And I chose to come here. You could, so obviously, I would encourage you to attend a church, and you're going to have to make a choice. But the real question lies in what's the criteria that informs that selection? And are we doing it in a way that's going to be pleasing uh, to our God? And so last week, just as a reminder, that uh, Kyle talked to us about uh, the idea that God wants us to be happy, which sounds pretty good, um, and, and I don't, God is not opposed to our happiness. He doesn't desire us to be, live miserable, wretched lives. But it, what this leads to is it leads to a, a general belief that God exists to serve me rather than the other way around. Kyle brought that out last week, and when he, when he hit the screen with that slide, I thought, that's it. That's really the core of the issue is that if you take that approach, then yeah, well, God wants me to be happy. Therefore, if I'm not happy, it must be God's failure, and he owes me that. So I've got to do something uh, to make it right. Well, the idea of attending a church of your choice kind of has a similar extrapolation to it. And this is the idea that you define your relationship with God on your terms rather than on his terms. And we're going to look at that this morning. First of all, let's, let's acknowledge that God created us and immediately he desired to have a relationship with his creation. That's, that's pretty obvious. You think about in the Garden of Eden. So think about the Garden of Eden is that God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, okay, guys, I want you to write a bunch of rules. You make up your own rules, and, and then I'll help you enforce those rules. And that's not what he did, is it? He set one rule, and essentially they had to choose. Were they going to obey God, or were they not? We remember the time of Noah, when God looked upon the earth, and he saw all this corrupt. A corruptness and he repented God that he had created the earth and all that was in it and so he was going to destroy much of his creation he didn't go to Noah and say okay Noah here's what you do you get you a few people that he didn't he didn't make it in a way that was easy for Noah to perform he said Noah you've got to do it this way you've got to build a boat and it's going to be a long process to build that boat, and it's going to rain. It never rained. It's going to rain. You've got to convince people it's going to rain. So, again, God did it his way. Think about the relationship with Abraham. He came to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to take you off in this far-off country. It wasn't, on, it wasn't on Abraham's terms, was it? It was what God told each of these people to do. And then finally, the children of Israel. 
uh, through Moses. He went to Moses, and Moses was old in years, and he went to him, and he said, you're going to lead my people out. Moses didn't come to God and say, God, I would like to do this. But God defined the terms of those relationships. And when Israel was the nation of God, he defined those, the terms of those relationships. So we have to get a clear understanding of that. You know, man is pretty bad about getting relationships upside down. You know, I remember that, that when I was a, a young boy growing up and I was in high school and my parents had bought me a car and they put clothes on my back and food in my stomach. But I got to thinking that I was kind of, I was kind of dictating that relationship. I mean, we probably all can relate to that. And in a lot of ways, man is very good at getting these relationships turned upside down. I used to work some basketball camps uh, years ago with, a, with an old coach, and he would say, he said, well, he said, I would tell my players right, right away, he said, it's not my job to make you happy. It's your job to make me happy. And you make me happy, you'll get to play. And so he said, players get that wrong. And I think in that just, in that just human nature, to get those relationships turned upside down. And I think this is a good example. So the idea that we would go in and we would select a church on our criteria, in other words, let's go in and find one like I'm shopping for a gym membership or like I'm shopping for a car. I'm going to go find the vehicle that fits my needs the most and that's the one I'm going to choose. We've got some visitors this morning that are with us, and we're very glad that you're here. We hope that you will thoughtfully and prayerfully consider this congregation as your home congregation. We want to be a church that serves the Lord on his terms, not on our terms. So I want to uh, remind you of a, an Old Testament story. Uh, God had anointed Saul, king of Israel. And the first thing he told Saul, you're to go into this, these people that have uh, basically ambushed you in previous generations. They were the Amalekites. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in and utterly and completely and totally destroy them. Wipe them out. They're no good. We've got to get rid of them. That was, that was Saul's first task. And Saul's response to that task was this. And Saul and the army spared Agag and the best, and that was the king, and the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. And so you know, there's a picture of old uh, Saul trying to explain to, to Samuel, the prophet, I had a better way. Haven't you checked the, the price of uh, pork belly futures on the Chicago Merchant Hill Exchange? I've got a better idea. But that's not what God told him to do. And so Samuel's response, I think, is telling both for them and for us. He says this, It's better to obey 
than to sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. You see, you know what obeying is? Obeying is on God's terms. God said, do this, and you do that. You, you do what he says do. The sacrifice, that was man's idea. So which one is superior? Well, obviously, Saul thought he had a better idea, but Samuel explained to him that it was better to do it on God's terms, not on man's terms. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. So, as we look in the New Testament, let's look at some New Testament scripture that talks about the, our attitude and approach toward, toward the word. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church here at Thessalonica and he says, but we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, you received which you received, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a, a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. You know, I think that is a pivotal scripture. I really do. I think that is, if we accept that and acknowledge that it's the word of God, that changes our whole approach to it. You know, I've heard people, and I'm sure you have too, say that, well, the writings in the New Testament, Old Testament, these are just the ideas of those men. So, the, you know, these guys followed Jesus, and when they got through following Jesus, they wrote down their impression of that movement. It was in their words. It was their ideas. But if you take that attitude, then you could almost do anything. Because if it's man's idea, then one man's ideas is almost as good as the next guy. So we have to take the attitude that the word that we received is God's word, not man's word. I read a book some years ago. It was called Attitudes and Consequences, and it was a long, I read a long time ago. And essentially the gist of it was this, is that the attitude with which we read and approach the word of God frames the consequences of those. And if we, if we take it as God's word, then that's going to lead us to certain conclusions. And if we take it as just general idea of man, then that's going to cause a completely different interpretation. So what we believe here is that the Holy Spirit penned the entire word of God. He just happened to use about 40 people to do it throughout the course of the entire Old and New Testaments. So let's, let's then, let's look at the other side of that. So we want to take a serious approach to God's word and we want to obey it as it is. But you know there was a group of people that they took that approach too, but they took it too far. They took it to the point that they became very legalistic in their approach to it. And they were the Pharisees. What Jesus said to them is, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay mint, for pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These things ought to, you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And so they became so caught up on, on obeying every little minor command that we might use the term they couldn't see the forest for the trees. They couldn't back up and see really what was going on. And so they didn't use judgment and they didn't use mercy. 
They just looked at the law and they said that's the way it is. And so we don't want to become to the point where we're, we're so legalistic that we miss the bigger picture. Yes, we want to obey the law. We want to obey every bit of it. But we want to, we want to also get the big picture and, and put it in the proper context and obey it in that way. So there's this passage. And this is the passage, or this is a part of the passage that I had uh, Dylan read at the start of this, uh, uh, after the prayer. And it said, so Christ gave himself, gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all come in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. And I want you to pay attention to that last phrase, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So essentially he's saying that God has placed these, these offices, these, these people in the church to build up the church, to make it strong, to, to help it mature. Until when? Until we become mature and we get to the full measure of Christ. Anybody there? nobody there. So my point is, is that it is a journey. That we're all on a spiritual journey. And that we're going to be in different places. So the idea is that, that we have to earnestly contend to be the kind of Christians that God would have us to be and follow his word. But understand that there are going to be different people that are different places in that journey as we move. And that we've got, and that I need you. I need you as my brother as we sit down and study together to point out the things that I'm in error on. And so that I can correct those things. And you need me to do the same for you. Uh, we, need to be, we need to be honest about the fact that we're not exactly at the same place in understanding every single thing in the scriptures. You know, there, years ago, Connie and I met with another congregation, and it was about the time that email had started. Email was, was new, and, and they had this great idea that we're going to have a church group email. This will be wonderful for a prayer request. This will be great for sharing news about, you know, almost like a kind of a mini Facebook, because you could communicate maybe without the pictures and all the likes and stuff like that, but okay. Again, it was 1.0. All right. Um, there was one rule. So this particular congregation made one rule. You could not discuss anything about the scriptures. What? Now, if something sounds wrong like that, it probably is. And, and you think about that. Is, so the, the worry was this, is that if we begin to discuss these scriptures like this, we may come to the realization that you have a different understanding of that than I do. And if we do, then we can't fellowship one another. Well, so I sit down in the afternoon and I read a passage and I, get, I glean some understanding that I didn't have in the morning. Do I have to disfellowship the morning me? Am I, am I, so can I really not grow because, 
because now I'm gaining a different understanding and that different understanding means that I was wrong before. The Christian journey is, is just that. It's one that we have to grow both in knowledge and understanding and obedience, all of those things. And we need to help each other do that as a congregation. So let's look at this group. Should we, should we fellowship this church? Well, they had some problems. They had divisions, and it was well documented. They had some immorality. In fact, they even kind of thought it was funny. They abused the Lord's Supper. And there was a lot of jealousy over spiritual gifts and things like that. But I want you to notice what, how Paul addressed them. He says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. These people were still sanctified. Did they have some problems? Did Paul withdraw fellowship from them? He did not. He embraced them. He acknowledged them as sanctified believers, and he tried to help them have a better understanding and improve their walk with Christ. And that should be our attitude toward one another. So what should I look for in a church? I'm out there looking. I've got to pick a church. If I, if I believe in the Lord, he wants me to go attend with a body of believers. So here's some yeses and nos. So first thing, I think he wants you to belong to a group for the purpose of fellowship. So that as we've talked about here in the last few slides, that you can, you can grow from me and I can grow from you. That by seeing the things that you do, well, I can be encouraged. You know, Brother Zach over here is one of the most patient, calm, easygoing people that I know. I get a lot out of being around Zach. I do. I walk away from, from times when I'm visiting with Zach refreshed and feeling better because he's just easygoing and calm. And he has that effect on people. It shouldn't be attending for business relationships. I'm not, I'm not going to attend, I'm not going to a church with the idea that I wonder how many contacts or how many cards I can trade at this church. That's not my purpose. It's great if Christians can do business together. I would certainly not dissuade you from doing that. But that's not my purpose for choosing a congregation. I want a congregation that's going to help me grow spiritually. Next, I should seek Christianity, meaning I should seek a church that is trying to get their members, just like we saw in the slide before, to be like Christ, to be like Him. That's the challenge. That's the standard that we're trying to, to, to work in the direction of. And so you want a congregation that will seek Christianity, not what I would call churchianity, which is just the idea that I want to show up and shake hands and look righteous and then go about and live my own life. That's a totally different thing. Very importantly, one that preaches sound doctrine and not just popular feel-good doctrine. See, I could stand up here today and tell you that you know, the, the, the Joel Osteen gospel of, of if you just come to church and you and you will give money, and you will give money, and you will um, 
and you will, if you're doing right, then God wants you to be happy, so he's going to bless you with a great life. That's a, that's, that's a, a, a doctrine that Paul described years ago that there would be a the time would come that, that people would demand, they would have itching ears, and they would demand teachers that would scratch that itch with, with, with doctrine that felt good, that made them feel good about themselves. And I would say this, if you're hearing lessons that don't convict you, then they're not really serving you. You need to, you need to hear lessons that, that cause you to examine yourself and go, I'm still kind of weak in that. I'm not, I'm not there yet. If you're not hearing that, then you're not hearing sound doctrine. You're, you're he hearing uh, that desires of teachers that are, uh, are those that are desiring teachers that have itching ears. And then you also want a place that you can go, and again, this back to the relationship thing. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to worship my creator. I'm here to express my appreciation for my creator because I'm going to keep that relationship in the right priority and I understand who he is and I understand who I am and relationship, and then worship becomes the natural response to that understanding of that relationship. I'm not looking for a place that will bring entertainment and all these services that might fit my lifestyle well. I'm looking for a place that I can worship my creator. So it's always been a challenge, and I believe it still is, and this is a passage in, in the book of Jude that says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For there's going to be certain men that come in. They're going to be unnoticed. They're going to be condemned. They're going to be ungodly. And they're going to attack the church. If you think about the church and its history, it's always been under attack from, from one, at least one of two directions. Persecution or moral decay of a society and the influences of that. Always. And so what the apostle is describing here is a battle. Is that it, it's, it's not something that's automatic. It's, it's not easy. He says, I want you to earnestly contend. I want you to strive for it because it's going to be a challenge. The cultural decay in the United States today, you, but I would be lying if I didn't say it was always that way. It has been. It's always been that way. The church has had to fight against that. So I want to just close this morning by uh, telling you why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. Um, most of you know, uh, I grew up a Baptist. Um, I met my wife and uh, began to study with her. And uh, as we began to study together, I recognized that there were some things that I had never even really considered. And I will be the first to, to acknowledge that I don't know whether God would love instrumental music in the church or not. I don't know. I can't say for sure. I can't find a passage that says you better not do it, at least in the New Testament. I can't find a passage 
that doesn't tell me that I ought to have motorcycles riding in the, fr in the front of this building and out the, the back door is some kind of a, you know, a way to, uh, to excite people. But I, don't, but I don't find any evidence that I do. So the, the position of the Church of Christ, at least for me, says this. Lord, I only want to obey. I'm not sure what sacrifices. Remember, remember the story of, of Saul. I'm not going to come up with my own sacrifices that might be pleasing and might not. I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. So I'm going to try to obey. I'm, trying, I'm going to be part of a group of Christians that establishes their worship practices and their life practices upon the things that I know are obedience. It's a position of humility. It's not a position of arrogance. It's a position of humility. It's saying, I don't know, but I can, and I've got one soul that I'm betting. One. I don't have five souls I can bet. I got one soul I've got to bet, and I'm going to bet that on obedience. I'm going to do what the Lord says because I know that he's happy with me here. I'm not sure if I, what happens if I spare the flock and I, I create my own sacrifice. I don't know what happens. So that's, that's where I would be on the Lord's church and why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. Uh, You've chosen to be here. Many of you, most of you have chosen to be members of this group. So the challenge for you is not really about, well, uh, which church should I go to? You've kind of made that decision. The challenge for us as a congregation is let's continue to be that congregation that strives to push each other, to grow, to become a better people, that we become mature Christians, that we become a measure of the fullness of Christ, We'll never obtain it, but we can continue to strive in that direction. And let's be honest with each other, and let's challenge each other to get to that. This morning I haven't said anything about first principles. Uh, we haven't talked about the gospel plan of salvation. But if we can help you in any way, if you need prayers of the church, if you've been sufficiently taught and you're ready to be baptized, we would be glad to assist you with that. So we're going to offer a song of invitation. And we would ask you to come to the front if we can help you in any way as we stand and as we sing.